So, what is a human being? Who are we? Now, biology tells us this. We belong to the animal kingdom, the phylum chordata, the class of mammals, and the order primates of the hominid family and the genus and species Homo sapiens. Chemistry tells us that the average human contains enough fat for seven bars of soap, enough iron for a medium-sized nail, enough sugar to make seven cups of tea, enough lime to whitewash one chicken coop, enough phosphorus to tip 2,000 matches, enough magnesium for a dose of salts, enough potash to explode one toy truck, and enough sulfur to rid one dog of fleas. There is an old Turkish proverb which says this, Man is harder than iron, stronger than stone, and more fragile than a rose. And the American author Mark Twain said this, Man is the only animal that blushes, and the only one that needs to. A couple of weeks ago, we read about the creation of humans back in Genesis chapter 1, uh, which said this, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. That is the beginning of what the Bible has to say about where we come from. Uh, and we started our series a few weeks ago, uh, you may remember, with three big questions which it helps us to think about. Uh, the question of who is God, what is he like? The question who we are and what it means to be human and the question of why the world is the way that it is. And as we get to the last part of Genesis chapter 2 today, uh, we're getting very much into the second of those questions. Uh, the question of what is God's design for us, for humanity, which also then helps us to understand a little bit more about why the world is like it is. I think one of the hardest things that has happened over this last year or so of lockdown has been the separation from other people, hasn't it? Being separated from our friends and from our families, having those relationships broken for a time has been a terrible thing. And Genesis 2 helps us to understand a part of why we feel this so keenly, so deeply. Um, we saw a couple of weeks ago how it started with God. That's the starting point of creation. Then we saw the creation of humanity. We've had a bit about the relationship between God and the people he made. And so it makes real sense that the next step in the story now is to think about how we relate to one another as the people that he has made. And that is very much our focus here in this passage. Uh, we may be a kind of animal. We may be, in one sense, just a bunch of chemicals. But we are also made in God's image. And a part of that is that it means we are relational. We are like him. We're made for relationships. Rob, we haven't got to that slide yet. If you want to just take that one off. Thank you. Um, this is a passage which just jumps out at us, I think, uh, isn't it? it? It's one which raises a whole bunch of topics which are, I guess you might say, hot topics in the world today. This is a passage about identity. It's about what it means to be male and female. It raises questions about sex and gender, uh, about marriage and about relationships. It's also a passage that is quoted by Jesus in more than one place and in several other places right through the New Testament when they speak about these things. So it's a part of the Bible that is really foundational and important. And because there is there's just so much here in these verses, we're actually going to look at this section twice. 
Uh, I'm not even going to try to cover everything that is in Genesis 2, 18 to 25 in one short sermon this morning. And in particular, we're going to come back in a couple of weeks to think some more about what this says to us about marriage and God's plans for it. Uh, We've got a week off next week because it's Pentecost, and then we'll come back to Genesis the week after that. Um, But today, I want us to focus on two key things here in this passage. The first is that we're designed for relationships, uh, that idea that it's not good for the man to be alone. And the second, that part of this is being male and female. Uh, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So first of all, um, there, uh, if we just go to the first of those slides, Rob, um, our fir- my first point this morning is that we are designed for relationships. Now, last week, um, if you were part of the service then, uh, you may have seen how God created the first human being. He created Adam. Literally, the earth creature is what his name means. And as we saw earlier on uh, with Lizzie, he was made from the dust of the earth and he was made with a purpose uh, to work the earth, to care for the earth, uh, to live with the freedom of God's good creation. But now there is more. And the background to the creation of Eve is there in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So this part of the story starts with something that is missing. Um, Everything in God's creation has been described as good up to this point. But there is one thing here which is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Because on his own, Adam cannot do all that he has been called to do. That word helper is a strong word here. Uh, It's not in any way intended to be uh, derogatory or diminutive or anything like that. Uh, It doesn't mean that Adam needs some kind of assistant or sidekick. It's a word, in fact, which is used quite frequently in the Old Testament, and nearly always it's used to refer to God himself, the idea that the Lord is the helper of his people. The scene is a bit comic, isn't it, in many ways? Uh, As we imagine all of the animals parading in front of Adam and he's naming them, you know, kind of giraffe, cow, mouse, uh, and all the rest of them. Uh, But we're told that among them, not surprisingly, no suitable helper for Adam is found. We love our pets, don't we? But they're not suitable for this task. Until finally God says, essentially, look, sorry, Adam, I'm going to have to operate. And so he puts him into this deep sleep. Uh, There's some kind of divine anaesthetic and surgery. The man's side is pierced. And when he awakes, one human has become two. As the Lord God makes a woman from the rib, or probably it means just from the side of the man himself. And uh, yes, I think there are echoes there, if you want to spot them, of another man who will have his side pierced uh, and fall into a deep sleep and then, then rise to new life much later on. But Adam sees Eve and he celebrates um, with a kind of song. We don't know the tune, so we can't try and sing it, but at the very least, it's poetry, isn't it? This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Adam is delighted with who she is, delighted that she is like him, while also being different to him. But the starting point here is that now Adam has company. He is not alone. He has relationship. 
He has a partner. He has someone to share in the work that he has been given. And that is basic to being human. As descendants of Adam, as members of the human race, it is something which is true of all of us. A couple of things to say about this along the way, um, things which are not the case. I want to say, first of all, this doesn't mean that we are all the same. Uh, some of us are extroverts, aren't we? You know, we want as many relationships as possible. We just love a crowded room full of people to meet. If that is you, uh, you've probably found the last 12 months acutely difficult uh, being shut up and separated from the presence of other people. Um, others are more uh, introverted, uh, more cautious about company, and there may even have been some aspects of lockdown that you found a blessing, if that is you. But we still need relationships. Maybe people like that would like to focus on a close few rather than a massive crowd. But all of us, whoever we are, know this same truth. It is not good to be alone. Not all the time. That's not how we've been made. We're not all the same. Second thing that we need to say is that this also doesn't mean that we all need to be married as we look at Adam and Eve here. Just to be very clear on this, um, I'm going to make no apology in a couple of weeks' time for spending a bit longer uh, talking and thinking about the subject of marriage. Um, first of all, because the, the Genesis understanding of marriage is that it's for the benefit of everyone and not just those who are actually in a marriage themselves. Uh, and secondly, because... The Bible says that marriage, first and foremost, points us to Jesus, that he is the whole point of marriage, as we'll see. That's really no exaggeration to say that. But, of course, the other thing that we need to say and recognise is this. Jesus is the only perfect human being ever to have lived. Uh, he's the only one to truly have got everything right in his life, to be able to say no mistakes, no regrets, had no sin, no sin at all. He is the model of a fully functioning human being. If we want to look at someone and see what it means to be fully human, we need to look at Jesus. And of course, he did this without getting married himself while being a single man. So let's be very clear, and this is especially for anyone who's listening to this who is not married, whether that's by choice or whether it's by circumstance. Marriage is not for everyone. Being single is not a second-class option, certainly not in the Bible. Check out 1 Corinthians 7 for much more on that. Jesus was single and he was perfect. And that is something that the church sometimes needs to be better at acknowledging and speaking out in its life, I think. So uh, we don't all need to be married. We are not all the same, but we are all made for relationship with other people. It is not good for the man to be alone. Uh, final point on, on this part, and I don't have time to say much, uh, but this is why we quite often speak about belonging to the church family here at St. Luke's. Um, it sounds a bit idealistic in some ways, doesn't it? But it's a recognition that being a Christian is about much more than just being an individual who believes certain things. It's about being called by Jesus to join his new community that he is gathering together uh, people from all kinds of backgrounds and places. It's one of the reasons why, even though being online for church has been a blessing and a help over the past year, we really need to be getting back together again as soon as we can. It's really important. There's something uh, quite powerful in terms of what it says to us about sitting in church, uh, singing a song which perhaps we don't even particularly like sometimes, 
you know, across from someone in a pew who maybe we don't agree with or get on with. Sends a message about the relationships and the community that God has made us to be a part of. So we're designed for relationships. That's the first thing. And then the second thing today is just to think a little bit about what it means that God has created us as male and female. Different, but equal. Uh, Eve's creation, of course, is different from Adam's, isn't it? Uh, He's made from the dust. She is crafted from his side. Uh, The old Bible commentator Matthew Henry describes it like this. He says, Eve was not taken from Adam's head that she should rule over him, nor from his feet to be trampled underfoot by him. But she was taken from his side that she might be his equal, from under his arm that she might be protected by him, from near his heart that he might cherish and love her. There's a bit of artistic license going on there, perhaps, but actually the point is a good one, and it's quite a lovely description, isn't it, of this relationship between the first man and the first woman in the Garden of Eden. Um, God's design, two people standing side by side in partnership together, different but united. That's the heart of God's creation of man and woman in his image. And it's easy to forget what a radical equality between the sexes this describes, especially in the context of the ancient world in which this was written, uh, where marriage was often not seen like that at all. Uh, In some cases where wives were seen as the property of their husbands. That's not how it's described here in Genesis chapter 2. We understand that the whole male-female thing, I guess, today primarily medically and scientifically, don't we, in terms of the differences uh, between bodies, uh, hormones, and the physical characteristics which are the result of that. I guess we need to acknowledge that the idea of humanity being divided into two sexes, male and female, has begun to be controversial in more recent years in our culture, and it's an area of real struggle for some people. And so we need to be very sensitive in how we think and talk about these things while holding on to what God has said clearly in his word about what it means to be human in his image. It's also a very complicated thing, isn't it? Uh, Men and women are the same in so many ways. Uh, We are one species within the animal kingdom, as I said earlier on. Bone of my bones, Adam says, flesh of my flesh. That's his exclamation when he sees Eve. It's great because she's not like all these other animals. That's what he's thinking. She's like me. How amazing. The Hebrew word for woman, isha, is very similar to the Hebrew word for man, ish. We're the same. And yet we're also different, aren't we? We need to tread very carefully here. It's very easy to to slip from the reality of there being two sexes into a bunch of stereotypes, whether it's about playing with cars or Barbies, whether it's about wanting to go into nursing or engineering or whatever it might be worth asking, how can we reflect well on the way God has created us as male and female, the same and yet different? And I want to suggest that there are two opposite mistakes that we can make when we think about the relationships between men and women. The first is to over-exaggerate the difference and to end up creating stereotypes, uh, to begin to, to create assumptions and set expectations of what a man should be like, what a woman should do, uh, whatever it might be, so that we end up reflecting a particular culture 
rather than what it says in the Bible, what God created in his design. I was listening to a podcast the other day about the ancient world. It was about the ancient Persians. Uh, and apparently Persian men were at one point criticised for being, and even mocked for being too effeminate. Why was this? Because they wore trousers instead of skirts. There's so much, isn't there, that is cultural that we just assume because of the culture we grew up in, that this is what women should be like, that this is what men should do. The church has sometimes been guilty of this as well, and so we need to be very careful of allowing our prejudices uh, to add to what the Bible has said about male and female in the image of God. Uh, and then, of course, the opposite mistake is to deny the differences between women and men, uh, to pretend that male and female is not even a real thing, that it makes no difference, the fact that we are physical opposites with, in some ways at least, different strengths, different biological characteristics which can affect our ways of being and of living. Genesis 2 gives us a better picture than either of these two extremes. A picture of these first humans, Adam and Eve, man and woman, the same yet different, and only together able to fulfil the purposes that God has given to the people that he made. The purposes of bringing order and form to the world and of being fruitful and filling it and nurturing the life. So here's a question to leave you with as we finish this part one in Genesis 2, 18 to 25. Uh, if all of this is true, if we've been created in God's image, if we've been created male and female, created for relationship, uh, to work together in the purposes that God has given us, then what does that mean for us now? What does that mean for us in our families? What does that mean for us as a church family today. There'll be an opportunity to think about that some more in home groups this week. Um, as always, uh, I'd love to talk to you if you've got questions or thoughts on any of this. And then next time, we will return to this passage to think some more about God's good design for marriage. Amen. <laughs>